1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show. the Gamecocks' podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, April the 13th, 2021. We are back, and on today's show, I break down the weekend that was the Gamecocks take two of three from the Missouri Tigers by scores of seven to two on Friday, 11 to one on Saturday, and 13 to four on Sunday. Guys, I'll break down the series in its entirety, we'll talk key takeaways, TSUs series MVP, slap of the weekend, who's hot, who's not, what's next for Gamecocks baseball as South Carolina improves to now eight and four in SEC play. Speaking of what's next, guys, it is officially game day as South Carolina baseball returns to action tonight seven o'clock first pitch at Founders Park to take on the Charleston Southern Buccaneers guys I'll break down this game in its entirety we'll talk about the Buccaneers they're pitching they're hitting also South Ghana who's starting the game what to watch for key player tonight and I will lock in my predictions against the Gamecocks look to improve on their record and continue to build momentum before a big SEC series this weekend also of course hey Frank Martin's back. We're going to move a little bit to the hardwood as that was announced late on Friday, guys. I'll give you my full thoughts and reaction to that. Also, news and notes to get into, guys. We have got a packed show here on a Tuesday. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom- and packaging for special items and cleaning services as well. They are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys. So a Gamecock owns small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, Upstate Movers That's Upstate Movers Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Back again, again, again. Shady's back, back, back. Tell a friend, friend, friend. Guess who's back? 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 Da, 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 da. We're back, folks. What's up? We are back. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, of the Spurs Up Show. As always, hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Like I said, I'm back. The show is back. We're back. We're here, here on a Tuesday. Appreciate you all. Tuning into the show, and I I will tell you this, of course, you guys know, and if you didn't know, realized yesterday we had no podcast because Sunday I took an opportunity to hang out with a buddy, go to a Braves game, and you know what, just thought to myself, you know what, it's Sunday night baseball, I don't want to be that guy that has to haul the equipment and try to even think I'm going to record the show after the Braves game, so we had a fantastic time Sunday, and again, I appreciate you guys being understanding Um, Like I said, I'd never been to the new stadium, had never seen a Braves game at Truist Park, which, by the way, phenomenal ballpark. We had a great time. And, oh, by the way, the Phillies player, he still has not touched home plate. He still hasn't touched home plate. I know all the Braves fans, uh, all my fellow Braves fans are really salty about that one. But again, I appreciate you guys being understanding. Appreciate you guys being patient. But hey, baby, we are back. And I'm so glad to be back because it felt weird on Monday with no podcast. It felt like Sunday, honestly. I was like, okay, today is not Monday. This really isn't Monday. It's Sunday. Um, with no podcast, whatever, but of course, plenty of content. But I appreciate you guys being cool. I appreciate you all being, under- being understanding. And again, for those that reached out and were asking, "Where is the podcast, Chris? What's going on? Where's the Daily Crow? All that good stuff." That means a lot to me that you guys look forward to it and listen to the show and and look forward to all the content that we produce. So again, thank you so much. I truly do appreciate that. And boy, do we have a lot to get into, a lot to catch up on. That uh, I did not get to chat about on yesterday's show. We'll do that today, of course. Again, talk a Missouri series recap. We'll also talk about the game tonight. It is game day as the Gamecocks return to the field to take on the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. Also, Frank Martin being retained. That came out on Friday, so I haven't been able to give my thoughts to you guys on the podcast. Got a ton to get into, but again, thank you guys so much for the love and support, man. It's it's awesome. The content was rolling all throughout the weekend, of course, in an exciting series with Mizzou and like I said, being able to go to Atlanta, hang out with a good friend of mine, enjoy it. I know you guys probably saw some of the uh, some of the festivities, if you will. And it's funny, I saw somebody on Twitter, they were saying, AKA Chris didn't drop the show because he's hungover. That, that's why, from Atlanta. No, I didn't drop the show because, like I said, I didn't want to bring all my equipment to Atlanta and Sunday Night Baseball, and there really just wasn't a way to do that and record in Atlanta. I will confirm that I was hungover Monday, no question, because drinks were deleted on Sunday night in Atlanta by yours truly. But hey, like I said, feels great to be back. It's always great to talk with you guys again. I love doing the show. I truly do love sitting down, recording the process of it all. So it feels really good to chat with you guys here on a Tuesday. You know what else feels really good? Kicking Missouri's ass. And that's what we're going to talk about. The Gamecocks taking two of three from the Missouri Tigers, losing on Friday at against 7-2, to two, but winning the next two. 11-1 on Saturday, 13-4 to four on Sunday as the Gamecocks improved. To 21 and nine overall, eight and four in the SEC, and currently sit one game out of first place behind Tennessee and Vanderbilt. So the Gamecocks right now sitting pretty in the SEC East Standings. Let's go ahead and dive right into this series, guys. And first things first, I want to give a round of applause. I want to give a cheers, not to the players, not to the coaches. Granted, they all deserve a pal in the back and all that good stuff, but I want to give a cheers to the Gamecock fans. And the Gamecock faithful and the rowdy roosters, all of us, we had our voices heard. It's crazy. That was as much of a storyline as the actual game, the, the actual play on the field was, was the fans and their relationship with the uh, event staff, if you will, and fans getting kicked out and Ray Tanner putting out a statement and Mark Kingston, the players talking about it and. It's crazy, and I'll say this, and I'll keep it short and sweet because, again, obviously, I've been a huge advocate, and I've I've been on the side. I've been on the side of the fans. I'll continue to be on the side of the fans, and I speak for the fans, for the Rowdy Roosters because I'm right there with you. I'm really just glad that Ray Tanner and that bunch just kind of wised up. You know, Ray Tanner putting out the statement on Saturday night. and You know, when you're not allowing your fans to create – a home atmosphere, an intimidating home atmosphere. And again, I'll say this too. I'm not advocating for irresponsible, downright mean heckling. There's an art to the heckle, right? There truly is an art to the heckle. So I'm not advocating for that. What I am advocating for is fans being able to create a true home field advantage. And you saw that on Sunday. You saw it. You saw the fans get under the Missouri players' skins. They couldn't handle it. It works. You saw Mark Kingston say something about it. You saw the players say something about it. You saw them on social media. It works. So, again, I, I, I give a, a huge round of applause, a huge cheers. Congrats to the Rowdy Roosters. We won. We won. The Rowdy Roosters are all the way back, folks, and we're not going anywhere. It felt great to see you again. I hated that Sunday. That was the first game that I have not been to in person all season long at home. And of course, the one that I missed turns out to be one of the most dramatic, one of the best, especially like I said, with the fans and the crowd and the way the game went. And you know, Missouri's coaches are going up in the stands, and, and we got we got people getting kicked out and brought back in, and it, it just madness, just pure madness and craziness. Oh, by the way, the Gamecocks kicking that ass, thirteen to four. But again, I wanted to start with a cheers to the fans, to the rowdy Roosters. You guys made a difference. Um, now, fingers crossed. All we can do is hope and pray that they eventually you know, expand capacity. You know, you got number one, Arkansas coming to town in a few weeks. Would love to see at least somewhat a packed Founders Park. But again, to the fans, you guys did your job. The Rowdy Roosters did their job this week in a Founders Park, and it was just beautiful to watch. It was beautiful to see. I loved it. I loved it. And again, if you don't think fans can't make a difference, just look at what happened over the weekend with Ray Tanner and putting out a statement. And like I said, players speaking out, Kingston even speaking out. Like, that was awesome and beautiful to watch. That was beautiful to watch. So I hope we hear more of it. I hope we hear more of it tonight. I hope we hear more of it as the Gamecocks move through SEC play. This baseball team is going to need the Rowdy Roosters. And you guys make a difference, like I said. Team Rowdy Roosters right here, again, loved it. It was great to see. I had to start there with the fans. Um, But how about this ball club? And I'll tell you what. I I will say this. South Carolina is not going to win every game the rest of the way, right? There's going to be times this baseball team – frustrates us. I mean, downright frustrates us. It pisses us off. It, it, it makes us scratch our head. It makes us question what type of team we have in regards to just how good are we, blah, blah, all, the, all that stuff. There's going to be all those moments throughout the rest of the season, like it or not. It's just part of baseball. It's part of life. We're going to run into adversity as fans, if you will. But, man, I just feel like it shouldn't be – I feel like it shouldn't go unnoticed how fortunate we are to watch a ball club that, you know what, I know every single time they take the field. Again, this is not going to be a team that goes undefeated the rest of the way. There's going to be nights that are frustrating. are going to be nights that they don't play well. There's going to be nights they lose the teams they shouldn't. But it's never because of a lack of, of heart and determination and resiliency and fight and want to and love of the game. You saw that yet again with Gamecocks baseball of the weekend losing that Friday night game in the fashion that you lost it, by the way. 7-2, ugly, which, by the way, back to the Friday night game, the fact the Missouri starter was throwing 98 miles an hour, I did not know Mizzou had a guy that threw 98 miles an hour. So shame on me. But either way, to be able to two weeks in a row, and I know a lot of fans were coming in this series, you know, saying, just taking it for granted, oh, this should be a sweet. Mizzou sucks. And, and I'm not saying Mizzou is some great ball club. Look at the statistics. I mean, they are where they are for a reason. But you lost Friday, bottom line. And like I told you guys before, the game is not played on paper. You know, Mizzou's got SEC caliber ballplayers, man. They do, flat out, bottom line. And they whooped your ass Friday. But for this team to come out again, and then you come out on Saturday, and through the first four innings, you have like one hit, no runs. You're losing one to nothing. But again, never question this team's heart. Never question their fight. Never question their determination. Never question their love of the game. That's what they continue to show me, and like I said, you know, you can, you can work on pitching and guys getting in different roles, and you can improve hitting, and you can improve fielding, and you can do things and drills and all that to, to fix some of those issues, but you cannot coach heart. You can't coach character in the guys, and it makes me feel good as a fan and someone that loves county baseball to know that, you know what? Some days it's not going to be our day. Some days we're not going to have it. We're not going to play our best baseball some days. And some days I'm going to get frustrated and pissed off just like you are. But I never have to question that with this team. This team, every single time, every single time they hit a wall, every single time they hit adversity, they find a way out of it. Win anyway. Battle. This team has that characteristic. They have great leadership. They have guys that buy into the culture. I think everybody's bought in at this point. They have guys that'll fight, that'll go to war for each other. And that's something awesome again. And that's what it shows, like I said yet again, to to suffer that tough Friday loss and come back and win the series. Do not underestimate how big that is. Because like I said, a team with that characteristic, it's a good chance you can go far. You can play with that, man. That'll eat. That'll work. So speaking of the Friday night game, though, man, one of my key takeaways from the weekend and something I hope we see fixed soon. You know, Thomas Farr still does not have an SEC win. And, You know, Thomas Farr certainly didn't have his best stuff on Friday. Let's call it for what it is. But he has gotten no help, too. And I don't understand what the deal is with the Friday Night Blues. You know, I had somebody ask me on social media if we should – he proposed this. He said, is it time to move Farr in the weekend rotation or even move him out of the weekend rotation? Folks, Thomas Farr is our Friday Night guy. Bottom line. Period. Point blank. End of discussion. If he has two or three, you know, bad starts in a row, if you will, then we can have that conversation. But the kid didn't even have his best stuff. And on Friday went five innings, four hits, three runs, three earned, five walks, but he had nine strikeouts. So the stuff was there. Obviously, location was his issue, right? Too many walks, five walks, and and a hit by pitch. So six free at bats from Mizzou, basically. Going to kill you every single time. Bottom line, she's going to kill you every single time. And Friday, it simply just wasn't Salcona's night. It really wasn't. And they got their asses kicked, like I said, for whatever reason. Wasn't their night, got their asses kicked, whatever. But I wonder, what is the deal with the Friday night Blues? You know, is there something we can put a finger on? And I know that on Friday night, you know, you're facing the best pitching. You're facing their best available guy. But it is kind of perplexing that SouthCon has not, for whatever reason, played well on Friday. And you think, especially in the SEC, you know, going all the way back to the Texas series. Friday, you lost out. Now, that was a great game, by the way. Which, that's the other thing. Like I said, guys, you know, Thomas Farr doesn't have a, ha- have a SEC win yet under his belt. But he's pitched well enough to win, in my opinion. Basically, every single time he's taken taking the, taking the ball. Maybe the Florida game. I'd probably say the Florida game he did. But other than that, Thomas Farr has pitched well enough to win in each and every single game. He's taken the ball for the Gamecocks. But you think back. Friday at Texas, you lose. Friday at Vandy, you lose a tough one. You think of, I mean, again, the Florida game, yeah, you won, but that was a crazy 14-inning game. You lose Friday at Georgia, and you lose Friday to Mizzou. So I don't know what the deal is with the Friday Night Blues. I I definitely think there needs to be, and there certainly is, I'm sure, behind closed doors, an emphasis on taking that game one. Because, again, of course, you keep putting yourself with your back against the wall, you know, eventually you're probably going to crack. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how this team adjusts. You know, maybe the game, maybe game one being on Thursday will we'll, you know, spell success for South Carolina. But the Friday night blues continue. And I just wonder, I don't know that there's really anything you can put your finger on. South Carolina just has not won those Friday night games for whatever reason. But again, continues to bounce back, be resilient, um, find a way to win. Let's let's talk about something else that happened on Friday, by the way. And I know something that fans were very, very torn on, not even torn on, just were not happy with. And that was Mark Kingston's decision on Friday night to start Jack Mahoney at third base. What an interesting interesting decision that was. And I'll say this about Jack. Again, great kid, battler, you know, somebody. I'm really glad he's a game Gamecock. That kid loves the game of baseball. You can see the passion and the energy that he plays with. Uh, went 0 for 3 at the plate. Uh, one walk, one strikeout in the game. So didn't do anything at the plate. And in the field, of course, you had three errors, which I think he made, yeah, he made two of them. And one of them especially was really, really costly. Throwing error, which the Missouri guy pulled a very, very legal, but very Bush League play by standing in front of him. And a young Jack Mahoney will learn what to do in that situation. But the decision overall, Like, a a lot of fans are asking, why? Where did it come from? What was the point of that? I can tell you guys this. From people I talk to that are close to the program, very close. That are close to Jack Mahoney, very close. Um, You know, basically, South Carolina scrimmages on Wednesdays. Or does some type of scrimmage, if you will. Inner squad, whatever. And from what I've heard, Jack Mahoney has been swinging the shit out of it. I, I mean, really has. So... Was I a little surprised? Actually, I was very surprised to see Jack Mahoney in the starting lineup at third base. But you knew this guy coming in was a true two-way. You know, again, in the preseason, in the inter-squads, and the scrimmages, all I saw him play was the infield. I didn't even see Jack Mahoney pitch in the preseason. So this guy came in as a a legit two-way. And I get it in the sense of the third base position. You know, Brennan Malone nor Jeff Heinrich have really taken a firm grasp on that position. And so, you know, Mark Kingston said he felt like he needed to give somebody a chance. And, you know, Jack Mahoney looked like a guy who's a great athlete, by the way, made some great plays, but he looked like a true freshman, right? He, he looked like a true freshman. And so, of course, when you lose and it backfires, right, you're, you're going to hear the criticism. You're going to hear the criticism. I certainly questioned it. I, I, some, I think sometimes one of the things Mark Kingston does I think sometimes he maybe overthinks the situation a little bit. I think there are times he does that because, again, you saw Brennan Malone, which I'm going to talk about just a second. You saw him kind of break through and break out in that Sunday game, hit that big home run, and, heck, he was my key player going to the weekend. I thought maybe he was due for a big weekend, and certainly, you know, I feel good about his game. Like I said, I'm going to get to him more in just a second. But that decision to start Jack Mahoney, um, I really think Mark Kingston just looked at the game and felt like, you know what, we should beat Missouri either way. So why not do it? You know, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, the, the, this is something you do in a midweek game, not in the SEC. I, I get that totally. I, listen, I, I totally understand that. And I don't totally disagree with you either. But that was a very interesting storyline to start this series with Jack Mahoney at third base. And I, I'll say this with, with all due respect to Jack Mahoney, because, again, he's starting the game tonight. I don't know that you're going to see him at third base. Um, I don't know if you're going to see him back over there anytime soon. But, again, I respect Kingston wanting to give someone an opportunity, but it looked like the lights were maybe a little too bright for the youngster. We'll see, though. You never know. They could rotate him in if Brandon Malone doesn't hit, if Jeff Heinert doesn't hit. They're just trying to find a consistent bat at that position. If you hit, you're going to play. And Jack Mahoney obviously hit enough in practice to earn that opportunity. So maybe we'll see him back out there in a the midweek or something. I don't know. be interesting to see, though. Um, I, I want to move into the Saturday game. And talk about, you know, I I really feel like he's almost been like the silent assassin for the Gamecocks and been a guy that's doing a lot of dirty work that isn't getting, you know, maybe as much recognition as some other guys. And that's Brandon Jordan, man, especially with Jordan. I questioned Jordan early in the season um, and just wondered, you know, man, he he really needs to get it going. Like, like what type of pitcher is he going to be for us this year? Like, what's, you know, I'm not going to say I was worried, but I was a little anxious with Brandon Jordan. He has responded beautifully. And on Saturday, he did that again. Again, Five innings pitch, two hits, one run, one earned, four walks, eight strikeouts. I mean, this dude is as solid as they come, man. This dude's as solid as they come. And with far Jordan Sanders, I mean, that's one of the best weekend rotations in the SEC right there. So Brandon Jordan, solid yet again, gave you an opportunity, guys. Get this. Because in that Saturday game, of course, you had a huge momentum-changing swing of the bat, and that came from the bat. Of Brady Allen I put this out there on social media but I want to read this really quick just to give you guys some context of how big of a deal that Brady Allen swing on Saturday was when he hit the three-run homer in the fifth inning that kind of you know let everybody have a sigh of relief and got this offense going and when you hear the statistic you're gonna be like my god okay In the 13 innings prior to Brady Allen's homer, the Gamecocks scored just two runs on seven hits. So the Friday night game and the first four innings of that Saturday game. Two runs on seven hits was all you scored. After Brady Allen's home run, in the following 14 innings, the Gamecocks scored 24 runs on 19 hits in 14 innings. You talk about a momentum shifter. For this South kind of offense, and like I said, I was there on Saturday. It just felt like when Brady hit that home run, it was like a, okay, here we go. Now we can settle in. Now we can get going because you had the anxiety, the Friday night loss. You weren't swinging it well. I think you, you had maybe one hit in that game going to the fifth inning against Mizzou. You were down one nothing, and fans are thinking, thinking to ourselves, oh, my God, here we go again. Are we really about to drop a series to the Missouri Tigers at home, which would have been devastating, would have been devastating for your chances in the SEC East and would have just been devastating for this point in the season, I think, but that swing by Brady Allen. And then what ensued after again, the big bats getting going and South kind of playing bully ball and, and hitting all the home runs on Sunday. And and it was really fun to watch. It was fun to see. And again, that's what you expect from your leader though. That's what you expect from your leader and a guy like Brady Allen for him to come up big in that spot for him to, you know, if there's going to be anybody that shakes the bat rack and gets guys going and gets everybody fired up and excited, I'd expect a guy like Brady Allen to be that dude. So, again, his big swing, sparking the offense. And I I thought you saw – I don't even know if, like, you know, the approaches improve is what I want to say here. I I just think that, you know, Friday night wasn't your night. Wasn't your night. And the guy you faced, tip your cap to him for sure. But, you know, offensively, you just did not do enough. And that – I don't know. Momentum is a fickle mistress, as I've said before. Momentum's a fickle mistress. And when you get Uncle Mo in your dugout, you better hold on to him for dear life. And that Brady Allen swing got momentum back in that game cock. Still got another guy, like I said, I want to talk about a little bit more in detail. Brandon Malone was my key player going in the weekend. And I mean, did he have the the, the the craziest weekend statistically? I mean, not really. Went one for three on Saturday with an RBI. Went one for four on Sundays. I mean, two for seven on the weekend. Nothing crazy. But The first home run of the 2021 season for Brennan Malone. And the bat flip of the century, folks. What a bat flip. I mean, what an incredible bat flip. Perfect tens across the board for Brennan Malone. My question is this. Is Brennan Malone starting to break out? Is that weekend, like I said before, guys, going to Mizzou, I thought maybe this could be the weekend. We, sit and we see Brennan Malone break through and start to gain confidence and start to get his swing back because, let's face it, he slumped through these first 30 games. No other way to put it. He has slumped. If you get Brennan Malone going, we know the type of pop and power he has. You saw it. Heck, you saw it in that home run. This lineup can be scary. This lineup can be scary if you can get Malone going. And, you know, Certainly, I think he should be in the lineup tonight. I think you need to continue to put him in the lineup because here's the thing. When I look at the third base position, because that's the one up in the air, right? And it's between really Jeff Heinrich and and Brendan Malone. Like I said, I I don't think think we're going to see Jack Mahoney back at the hot corner for a little bit. But when I look at those two guys, like I like Jeff Heinrich a lot. I think certainly, again, he's got a place on this baseball team and can help this ball club, and he's already done so to this point. But when I look at Jeff Heinrich, I kind of feel like at least offensively, like I know what I'm going to get out of Jeff Heinrich. You know what I mean? With Brennan Malone, I think it's the unknown that makes us excited because we all know the potential this kid has. You know, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass and and talking out out of the side of my neck when I tell you guys how good I think Brennan Malone can be. I've seen it. I've been to scrimmages. I've been to practices and seen what this kid can do. And I think this kid can be, like I said, a legit big-time 300-plus hitter, double-digit home run guy for you in the SEC. I think he's an all-conference caliber guy. And like I said, through the first 30 games, we haven't seen it. But I think Brennan Malone maybe turned a corner this weekend, but he needs to be the guy, in my opinion, that continues to get the abs, that continues to get the looks. Because I think, like I said, with Jeff Heinrich, you know what you're getting out of him, but the ceiling is so much higher, in my opinion, with Brennan Malone. And that's not a knock on Jeff Heinrich. That is a tip of the cap, a, a, a you know, just knowing how good a guy can be, what the ceiling is for him. So I think you've got to roll the dice with Brennan Malone. You've got to trust that eventually – A good hitter is going to hit. Keep putting him out there. Keep giving him opportunities. At some point, a good hitter is going to have the light bulb moment. It's going to click for him, and a good hitter is going to hit. So, is Brennan Malone breaking through? Who knows? Maybe that home run will serve as the jumping point for his 2021 baseball season. Let's move, like I said, back into that Sunday game. Though I'm talking about the Sunday game. And I do want to mention real quick, Will Sanders, Brett Carey, the Tandem, does their job and again they didn't have to work very hard I mean a 13-4 game um but overall let me see actually what was the final Sunday yeah it was 13-4 okay I was about to say for a second there though it was like eight or like seven to four like it got kind of close the Game Cox put up a five spot in the bottom of the eighth inning after all the madness with Mizzou's coach and which I'm gonna get to in just a second by the way do not worry but um I like the combo a lot. I like the combo a lot. You know, Brett Carey, obviously, you didn't have to use him Friday or Saturday. And letting him have the opportunity to get out there. Four innings in relief, six hits, two runs, two earned, eight strikeouts. Will Sanders, four innings, four hits, two runs, two earned, six strikeouts. Ho-hum, whatever. Um, You know, I'm not going to say anything I didn't say last weekend. I mean, Will Sanders just continues to show you why he was one of the best, you know, highest regarded prospects in the entire country. Brett Carey's Brett Carey, blah, blah, blah. We get it, right? Pitching dominated. Here's an interesting stat. Both guys, Sanders and Carey, threw four innings apiece. They threw the exact same amount of pitches. Will Sanders threw 69. Brett Carey threw 69. Nice, by the way. So you're pitching dominated. Now you take a look at the SEC East standings. You take a look. You're 8-4 and four in the SEC, trailing only the Vanderbilt Commodores, which, by the way, what a shocking weekend that was in Nashville. Georgia going up to, going up to Nashville and taking two of three from the Vandy boys. Whew, we all saw that coming, right? Almost swept them too, which is wild, which is absolutely wild. So the Gamecocks trailing Vanderbilt and, of course, the Tennessee Volunteers, right? Because we all expected Tennessee to be tied for first after four weekends in the SEC. But the Gamecocks currently eight and four, Bandy and Tennessee at nine and three. They will play each other this weekend. So one of those two is going to fall. And now you have an opportunity. If you take care of your business in Baton Rouge, which is easier said than done, but if you take care of your business in Baton Rouge, all of a sudden, (laughs) we're talking about Gamecock Baseball competing for the SEC East title. So, not a bad spot to be in four weeks through SEC play. All right, let's move into TSUS Series MVP, guys. I know by this point, by the time you're hearing the sound of my voice, you've probably already seen the graphic, but I do want to give him some love. My TSUS Series MVP, like I said, his swing got everything going for This game, Cox offense on Saturday, when it looked like you know what, maybe here we go again. What's the deal? What's going on? Boom! Brady Allen's big three home run homer got to go. And Brady Allen is this week's TSUS series MVP. He went six for 11 on the weekend, one home run, six RBIs, two walks as well. Just a guy that you know, I was talking about this with somebody on Friday, and they were asking, you know, who, who's the best hitter in the lineup? Who's our best player? You know, I know everybody's quick to say Wes Clark, and he's had an incredible season. I'd say, sure, he's definitely our, our – arguably our best hitter, certainly our biggest power threat. But I think Brady Allen is probably the best all-around baseball player on this team. I mean, he just does all – he does everything the right way. He hits for power. He hits for average. He, he can steal bases. He plays a great center field. He's got a hell of an eye. He's got plate discipline. He's got vision. The Gamecocks are so lucky to have this kid. Brady Outing and TSUS Series MVP. What a weekend for him. Let's move into slap dick of the weekend. <laughs> slap dick of the weekend. Who boy, there were a lot of people that were fighting for that award. You know, for a, for a second, I thought it was going to be the event staff at Founders Park, the way y'all were at, and you better watch it. Um, also, handing out the, which I actually have it in the studio now. I, ha- I have one, like, pinned up, the Code of Conduct, the fan Code of Conduct. What a freaking joke that is. But these guys easily took the award. The only question was this. Which team's the bigger slapdicks? Is it Florida or Missouri? And the Missouri coaches, the coach that went in the stands, whoever that was, sir, you are the slapdick of the weekend. I'm sorry, guys. You you can say whatever you want. You you can listen to whoever. And I know there's some of you out there that are totally opposed to heckling and any any trash talk and banning. Bro, if you are a Division One athlete or coach, if you're an athlete at any level, for that matter, and you can't handle some drunk college kid saying, hey, you suck, or throw it in the dirt, which, by the way, got to meet my dude, throw it in the dirt, got to meet the dirt heckler himself. What a legend. What a phenomenal human being. We had a fantastic time over the weekend. But if you can't handle that, you, you just don't belong on the field of play. You, you especially don't belong at this level. So to the Missouri coaches that were going back and forth with fans all weekend, and one of them even going into the stands, I thought Stuart Lake was about to beat that ass, which Stu, freaking legend, another legend, the most badass dude in Gamecock baseball. But the Missouri coaches, congrats. You played yourself. You're the slap dig of the weekend. Good job. You can wear that wear that badge of honor for the rest of the season. Um, all let right, right. I'm going to move off the topic before I get fired up. Let's move into who's hot, who's not. There, Actually, you know, I'll say this. It's probably a good thing I wasn't there Sunday because, man, I would have been heated. I can tell you that right now. Anyways, let's move into who's hot, who's not. Who's hot? Got to talk about Colin Burgess, the Gamecocks catcher. He went four for 11 on the weekend, two RBIs. But to me, just the way this dude's playing overall, it seems like he's getting timely hits, and he's playing a great catcher, playing great baseball behind the dish. Such a valuable piece to the Gamecocks. So, again, who's hot? To me, Colin Burgess, four for 11 with two RBI. Who's not? And I'm not meaning to pick on him or kick him while he's down, but Braylon Wimmer, you know, I I know he had the family issues and had to miss, and and he he looked like a guy, listen, on Friday that had just missed time and hadn't hadn't swung a bat in a week, whatever. But kind of back-to-back rough weekends for him, you know, went two for 13 over the weekend, um, had some mysterious swings, like I said, especially early in the weekend. But overall, I think this is a guy that's going to get it together, but Braylon Wimmer, my who's not for this week. All right, what's next for Gamecocks baseball? Of course, it is game day tonight. South to takes on Charleston Southern in the weekend series at LSU. Don't forget, Thursday through Saturday this week. So an interesting week for the Spurs Up show. Of course, we got the podcast and Daily Crow that are all back. But, you know, normally we do our series preview on Thursdays, and I give my prediction on Friday. So what I'll do this week, you know, of course, we have the show today. Tomorrow we'll do um, midweek recap and whatever else happened. Thursday, I will give my full series preview and prediction on the same day, of course, because the series starts that night. In Baton Rouge, and then Friday, I'm not sure if I'm going to wait and record the podcast after Game 1 or if we'll go a different direction with that. But again, there will be a podcast every single day this week, the Daily Crow. We're also going to do the live watch-along streams. Stay tuned for that. going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually not going to Baton Rouge. Thought I might have been, decided against it. So we'll do the live watch-along streams Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Again, those pitches are, if I can see my calendar, which it doesn't look like I can, uh, 7.30, 8 and 3.00. Thursday, Friday, Saturday should be a lot of fun. But let's talk about, again, the game tonight. Like I said, what's next for Gamecocks Baseball? South can I take it on? The Charleston Southern Buccaneers. 7 o'clock, first pitch at Founders Park on SEC Network Plus. Charleston Southern of the Big South. Their head coach, Mark McMillan. So far this season, Charleston Southern's 10-13 and 13 overall with a 10-10 and 10 conference record. And they are losers of their last two games on a two-game losing streak. Let's talk about the pitching and hitting for the Buccaneers. The pitching 5.216 ERA, Been a little bit of a rough year for Charleston Southern on the mound. Let's take a look at some more of their splits here. Um, 168 strikeouts and 195 innings. So not really a power pitching club, if you will. They've also given up 15 home runs, not too shabby, 15 home runs in 23 games. Opponents are hitting 252 against them. Um, let's take a look at the walk numbers, 110 walks and 195 innings, but they've given up 188 hits. So, I've been kind of an up-and-down year, to put it, at best for Charleston So Here's what's interesting. The matchup on the mound. They're starting right in pitcher, Jordan Bridges. This kid's 1-0 with a 4.70 ERA. He has only thrown seven and two-thirds innings to this point in the season. 7.2 innings pitched, six hits, four runs, four earned, four walks, and seven strikeouts. And he has 10 appearances, 1-0, like I said, with a 4.7 ERA, but only thrown seven and two-thirds innings, and that's the kid they're going with against South Carolina. You wonder, will it be a Johnny Holstaff type of night for the Buccaneers? Let's move to the hitting side of things. They're hitting two sixty nine as a team, just seven home runs in 23 games, guys. So, like, the polar opposite of South Carolina. They are not going to be hitting the ball over the yard. At least that's what the statistics tell us. They do run a lot, though. A lot of athletes on this team, 30 for 39. And stolen bases of the Buccaneers. Let's look at players to watch for. Infielder Tyrell Brewer hitting 329 with six RBIs. He's a true freshman, by the way, and a damn good one at that. Also, outfielder Kyle Sandstrom. This guy stood out to me because I looked at his last name and I was like, is his name Kyle Sandstorm? But no, it's <laughs> it's Kyle Sandstrom hitting 303 on the year, 10 for 13 in stolen bases. He is a senior. And then infielder Andrew Bullock hitting two twenty eight with three home runs and 13 RBI for the Buccaneers. Let's move to the South of side of things, guys. Of course, the Gamecocks starting right at pitcher Jack Mahoney uh, did not pitch over the entire weekend, so I'd imagine they'll let him go five, six, maybe seven innings if he's rolling. Uh, I think he'll pitch most of the game. What to watch for this one? Like I said, guys, Mahoney returns the mound. Again, the experiment was nice at third base, and maybe we'll see it again at some point, but Jack Mahoney. My question's almost this. Does Mark Kingston let him hit for himself? Is there any way he'd let him hit for himself? Because if you think, you know, Wes Clark is going to catch this game. It's a midweek game. They're going to give Colin Burgess the day off, I'm sure. I think Wes Clark will catch. So, he'll hit for himself. So, do they let Jack Mahoney hit for himself as well? Or do they go with a DH? I'll be interested. But, again, Jack Mahoney returns the mound. Um, I'll be interested to see just how much he's developed or, how you know, can he have a bounce-back, bounce, bounce quote-unquote bounce-back performance from last week against UNC? And you know, I, I think he'd admit he didn't throw as well as he'd like to, but overall was still solid against the Tar Heels. I mean, let, let's call it what it is. But really fun to watch this kid develop into a starter because, you know, he started the season off, obviously, as like a one-inning guy, bullpen guy. But this is a guy I see definitely in the Gamecocks weekend rotation next year. I mean, he has that type of stuff. He has that type of upside. I mean, right now he's throwing 95 miles an hour with a power sinker. I think Jack Mahoney going to be fun to watch him pitch uh, tonight. Something else I'm looking for. I talked about him a lot earlier when talking about the Missouri series, but Brennan Malone, can he really get going tonight? And if you're Mark Kingston, I get it's the midweek. And, you know, we talk about shuffling the lineup and giving this guy an opportunity and that guy an opportunity. You got to keep Brennan Malone in this lineup, man. Like I said, let a good hitter figure it out, let a good hitter hit. Can he get going and really, really get going? Can he build off that home run on Sunday? Can he build off of, you know, some success of the weekend against Mizzou and maybe pick on Charleston Southern pitching a little bit? I'll be really interested to see that because, again, this midweek, these midweek games are the opportunity for guys like that to really build confidence, to get you a couple knocks, maybe get a long ball, whatever, but build that confidence and really get your 2021 season going. Something else really interesting and a unique storyline in this one, guys, Jared Bennett. Gamecocks pitcher is actually a former Buccaneer. Jared Bennett, who hit the transfer portal on April the 30th of last year in the midst of the pandemic, he actually entered the portal and transferred to South Carolina. So going up against his former team, you you wonder if the Gamecocks will maybe give him a shot. I'm sure if the game gets to a point where they feel comfortable putting him in. I think that'd be cool to see, though. Jared Bennett against his old team. Wonder if he'll get to pitch. Speaking of guys that have not pitched that I wonder if we'll see them in, guys like Cam Tringali, who has not pitched in like over a month, by the way, Parker Coyne, CJ Wines, Mag Cotto. Do we see some of these arms that we have not seen in quite a while? Again, the number one goal and objective is to win the midweek game. You cannot lose these games, especially you know games like this at home against a team. Let's just call it what it is. You should beat. You can't lose them. But this is also a great opportunity to give guys like that innings, to give them an opportunity, to give them a chance to enter into the game, get yourself some experience, just get yourself some innings, because you're going to need those guys over the long haul. You're going to need them down the stretch. So, again, guys like Tringali, Coin, Wines, Cotto, do we see them get in? Do we see them get in? Do we see them get an opportunity against Charleston Southern? And then finally, guys, what I'm looking forward to really – you know, keeping it short and sweet, just building momentum before and continuing to build momentum before a big, big road weekend this weekend in Baton Rouge, excuse me. I'm not going to jump ahead because, of course, Thursday, we'll have a full series preview of LSU and all that good stuff. But I can tell you this. I know fans are going to look at the statistics. They're going to look at the records. They're going to say, oh, Carolina should easily win. Going into Baton Rouge and taking two out of three will be an accomplishment, folks. Not an easy place to play. I don't think I have to tell you guys that Alex Box Stadium, one of the best in the entire country. And they'll be fired up. They'll be rowdy. They'll be ready to go. You want to continue to build momentum, have something to feel good about. You know, you'd like to swing it well tonight. You'd like to pitch it well. You'd like to field it well. You'd like to do everything well. Play yourself a clean baseball game. Get the W. Turn your attention to going into Baton Rouge. Continue to build momentum. Continue to play this game the right way. To continue to attack each and every single day the right way. And I promise you, good things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen for you. And I think that's what we're going to see this team do tonight. Uh, Key player for tonight. And this is a guy that, you know, really struggled, I thought, Friday, Saturday. We saw him break out on Sunday, though, with a big knock that drove in, I believe, two or three guys. I think he had three RBI in that Sunday game. My key player for tonight and a guy I want to see going, get going is first baseman David Mendham. You know, we have not talked about Davey doubles a ton this season. You know, a guy kind of just in the middle of that lineup has been hovering around that 250, 260 mark. You know, every now and then it's good for a knock, but a guy that, you know, has struggled with consistency at times. If they're going to have you in that five hole and that six hole, you need a guy like David Mendham to get going, right? To get going. So I think this is a dude that's going to be a big piece, key piece for you in SEC play. David Mendham, for me, the key player for tonight, not just for the game tonight, and I've said this about other guys, too, but not just for the game tonight, but moving forward in an SEC play into this gauntlet that's upcoming with LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. You need to, You need all hands on deck, but you need David Mendham to be the guy he's capable of being. This guy can be a big-time power lefty. We haven't necessarily seen it, but he can be that type of guy. So, key player for me. I, I want to see something out of David Mendham tonight. All right, let's move to my official prediction, guys. Um Long story short, like I said, I, I think this is a team, again, we should feel good about in the sense I think they're going to attack each and every single game the correct way, the right way. This is a team that understands the opportunity that's in front of them, that understands what a privilege it is to put on the Garnet in Black and, and represent this great university. And, you know, we've only seen it one time, I think, with the Gamecocks, and I would say it wasn't their night that night, but one time where you kind of left scratching your head and you felt like you, you questioned maybe – what the approach was to the game, and that was that Davidson loss. I don't see this team losing another game like that. I think the Gamecocks will take care of business tonight. I think Charleston Southern, um, they got some decent players, but it, it's really a total mismatch when it comes to talent overall. I think South gonna have a fun night at the plate. I think their arms will do their thing. I think Jack Mahoney gives them the quality start, and I think South is able to pull away and get a fairly comfortable win in this one. I got the Gamecocks cruising to a 9-3 to victory. Over the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. So again, Gamecocks nine, CSU three. I think Salcona does improve to 22 and nine overall and sets up a big, big weekend in Baton Rouge against the LSU Tigers. So again, lock it in. I got Carolina winning this one nine to three tonight at Founders Park. Should be a lot of fun. I will be in the building. So if you're there, come by, say what's up. Let's talk Gamecocks. Appreciate y'all. Seriously. All right. Um, I do want to touch on the Frank Martin stuff really quickly because I, I didn't get to talk about that on the podcast because of course we didn't have a show yesterday and that came out on Friday and I'll keep it short and sweet. You know, Frank Martin's back. Um, he's getting a two-year extension. The buyout really didn't change at all. I'm at this point with South Carolina basketball guys. And what I thought was interesting, I was surprised at the amount of people that just did not give a damn. They just did not care. And you know, basically, I think USC put themselves in a position where, you know, I, I have to think the minimum expectations for next season are instantly tournament or bust. You got to make the tournament, right? You, you just flat out have to make the tournament. Bottom line. If you don't and you bring them back, you're saying to your fans, we don't give a damn about basketball. We, we just don't. We have no expectations. But that's kind of where, where I feel like the program is right now anyways. Like, I love kind of basketball. Don't get me wrong. But I am so apathetic. I'm so apathetic to it. And I think that's why I was so in the middle, guys, honestly, because I was like, you know what? Even if he doesn't come back, whether he does or does not come back, Gamecocks basketball sort of just feels like it is what it is. The program's blah. You got to do something to inject positivity and excitement Back into Carolina basketball. I don't know what that is. I think the only thing that can do that is winning. But overall, listen, I'm happy with the decision. I said that the entire time. A lot of people thought I was a fire Frank Martin guy. No, I just, I'm going to call it like I see it guy. I'm not a fire Frank Martin guy. I never was. But Frank Martin returns. You know, I'm glad to see a man get a shot at redemption. I'm very happy to see a man get a shot at redemption. Um, You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if, you know, he can prove that last year was a fluke. I don't think the extension means anything. I think it's just a a show for recruiting and to try to show some stability in the program. But, you know, he'll be doing it with basically a whole new roster. So, I, you know, I, I am... I'm happy Frank Martin's back. You know, I, I am... I'm glad the decision went ahead and got made. Glad we're not dragging this thing out any longer. But, you know... We'll see. We'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I, I was actually very shocked that I felt like, and again, I'm just calling like I see it on social media, whatever. But from what I saw, the reaction felt very negative to me that Frank Martin was attorney. You know, I, I thought there were all these people supporting and that were showing love and, and wanted Frank back. And, oh, he's the best thing to ever happen. I, blah, blah, blah. Dude, all I saw were people wanting him fired. They were like, oh, my God, what a terrible decision. So y'all tell me. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. So, but anyways, Frank Martin is back. as Gamecocks basketball coach. Wishing him nothing of the best and, and, you know, hope we're talking. We're singing a very different tune at this time next season. That's, that's all I can hope. That's all we can hope for. So, all right, let's move into news and notes. We're going to wrap this thing up, guys. Um, something big to happen. Recruiting dead period. Is set to end on June 1st. Great news for a school like South Carolina and Shane Beamer. You know, I think it's so important getting these guys on campus, showing them the facility, showing them the the indoor, showing them the ops building, showing them everything, showing them williams Bryce, because that's a huge selling point for the Gamecocks. So I know Shane Beamer, that entire football staff are fired up. I'm fired up also. Recruiting dead period, it sounds like, is set to end on June 1st. Big, big college football news. Also back on the hardwood, Eric Stevenson commits to South Carolina, the Washington transfer, and I will get you guys his statistics here because we did post about it, of course. Um, The Washington transfer, here we go. Yes, averaged 9.3 points per game and 3.6 rebounds per game last season for the Huskies. So it's interesting how this roster is completely flipping right now because you've picked up Eric Stevenson, You've picked up the Murray State kid, I believe. Is that who it was? Um, Where is this at? Where is this? Uh, Yeah, A.J. Wilson. No, excuse me, George Mason, not Murray State, George Mason. So your roster's completely flipping. You're losing, guys, but you're getting a brand-new crop in. (laughs) So maybe these can be the guys that turn it around for Frank Martin. Who knows? But, again, Eric Stevenson, I think a really, really good commit, by the way, for Frank Martin's squad. Really good commit. Really solid player coming to you from Washington. Uh, Final thing. Just my take, you know, the football team did scrimmage on Saturday. Nobody was allowed in, whatever. We were locked in with baseball. But the interesting comment, quote, that I posted that uh, Shane Beamer said when he said, quote, right now, for the most part, Luke's the guy that our offense looks to as a leader and is going to get a majority of the reps. Those guys have to make it a competition. Luke's doing doing a great job right now and got a ways to go as well. So, sounded like to me, Luke Doty's QB1, which... You know, does not surprise me at all. You, you know, I, I knew there'd be an adjustment period for Jason Brown being a St. Francis guy, and I, I still think certainly factors into the, uh, into the competition, but, you know, from, from Shane Beamer's comments, he, he did not really hold back on him. He said those other guys, they got to make it a competition. <laughs> Flat out. They have to make it a competition. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I like Luke Doty's chances of being QB one. So, again, guys, that's going to do it all for me, though. Really appreciate y'all tuning in. Like I said, thank you so much for being flexible, being cool with me going to Atlanta and taking in the Brave game. And like I said, he, yeah, the guy, the Phillies guy, still hasn't touched on plate. It's total BS. But again, thank you guys for being cool. Thank you guys for being flexible. Like I said, we're back. We're fully back. It's game day. Podcast is back. Daily Crow is back. Podcast all week. The Daily Crow, new to one. And of course, the live stream watch alongs for LSU Thursday, Friday, and Saturday should be a lot of fun. But again, until we talk tomorrow, go Cox, beat Charleston Southern, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.